as parents, our duty is to educate our children and to perfect those spiritual capacities and sort of everyone's a mine rich in gems of inestimable value. And we're supposed to polish those gems through education and help. So that's my job as a parent is to spiritually educate them by teaching them as much as I can about how to treat people with respect and love. Welcome to the Daily Naked Parent Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. On today's show, we'll be discussing work-life balance when raising neurodiverse children. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name's Chad Ratliff, and I'm your host. And before I introduce you to our guest today, let me start by sharing our community's code. Naked Parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents raising children with all kinds of needs. We come together to share our naked truths, support our fellow parents, and inspire the inner growth each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams. For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. As we come to understand our divine nature, we realize that there's no need to feel sorry for ourselves, be angry, or feel lack. We come to understand that our feelings of limitation and separation are only in our minds. Through self-realization, we expand our consciousness so that the challenges that perplex us today dissipate one by one until we're able to see and experience gratitude and beauty in everything just as it is. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment, one day at a time. Esther and Jerry Hicks call it the science of deliberation, and we call it the answer to all of our prayers. So I'd like to introduce you to Mieko Bond, who's a single mother of two lovely boys who are six years and eight years old. They both have autism. Her youngest has Down syndrome and is learning to be verbal. She's part of the Baha'i faith and has always felt that her children were a blessing and loves of her life. She works as a full-time lawyer. She has no support, but keeps going, working hard each day. She has six degrees and a PhD in law and went to Cambridge University. She's had many wonderful people come in her path along the way. She's so happy and lucky to have her boys and they live with the service dog and two cats. Welcome to the show, Mieko. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Where are you calling in from? I'm uh, calling in from Canada and British Columbia, the province of British Columbia on Vancouver Island. Awesome. Well, thank you for being with us. Uh, I understand you're home with uh, a sick one today. Is that correct? Yes, yes. My um, boys are both home and today and the six-year-old whose name is uh, Liam, he has Down syndrome and autism and had some complications with some antibiotics he was taking for an ear infection. So he's here and so's so's Ronan in the other room. So they're on there watching cartoons. So they should be fine. <laughs> so you're being a full-time lawyer, a stay-at-home mom and a podcast guest. Yes, I'm working. Uh, sounds yes. like the uh, sounds like a typical special needs parent trying to navigate lots and lots of stuff. Can yeah. you take us back to kind of 
when your first child started presenting signs that you saw as not what you were expecting? So basically my first child, whose name is Ronan, he's eight years old now. We got him diagnosed when he was three and there were some signs. I was actually made friends with my pediatrician because I was living up north in a place called Prince George. And I had gone to a meeting, a Baha'i meeting called a feast, and we were all together. My son was uh, struggling a bit with social interaction and playing soccer outside with the other kids. Unfortunately, he bit the pediatrician, and uh, who's my friend, and she said we need to get him assessed for either ADHD and or autism because she, I think, had noticed ways that he was playing in the backyard that were slightly different than all the other children. I did get him diagnosed as quickly as I could. In the place where I am, in the province that I am, there is a free healthcare system, but the wait list would have been 18 months. And I ended up asking for a private session, which was a six-month wait. And that's um, about $3,000 cash, and you don't get that back. So I decided to put that up front because uh, he would get $22,000 a year in support and funding until he was six years old. So I flew down to Vancouver with him and my other child. That was very challenging to go on any sorts of flights or travel at all. And we got there, he was assessed and had autism. And I sort of wasn't expecting it because I already had a child with special needs who was Liam, who had Down syndrome and was born and went straight into the um, intensive care unit, the NICU, and then the PICU. And he was on and off there for about nine months and had been intubated about three times. So he had some serious respiratory issues. So I was sort of focusing on Liam. And Liam got diagnosed with autism because Ronan was getting his behavioral intervention ABA sessions. And my behavioral consultant noticed some, some things with Liam Now he spins in circles a lot, so it's kind of a little bit more obvious or pronounced, but she noticed the beginning. So he got diagnosed the same way at the same place. Yeah, so that's how the diagnosis happened. And we just noticed that he socially wasn't playing the other way the children were, basically. So this is, so you hit the ground running, so to speak. I mean, finding out, you know, thinking it's, so how do you feel like when all of this is, how, how are you handling this? Well, I'm quite happy. Um, it's very stressful and demanding and challenging because I had COVID last year at the end of October, and then I ended up getting long haul COVID, which caused me some memory loss, brain fog, vertigo, and other issues, which just sort of went away two months ago, but it kind of comes back once in a while when I'm really tired. I'm on the mend, so that's sort of challenging, but my framework for understanding the world or reality is my Baha'i faith. And the way that we were raised was essentially that all people are one and that we're all different and there should be unity and diversity. So first of all, everyone's welcome and equally important. And then secondly, everyone's different. So that framework helped when I was uh, told when I was pregnant that my son might have Down syndrome. The only thing that I initially thought was, what do I need to learn health-wise in order to help him. So I wasn't sad or upset. I was just worried about my lack of knowledge in the medical field. And I was upset. I was like, okay, I can't go back and do med school. So what am I going to do now? 
But we also believe that humans have a soul and that we have spiritual capacities and that every human has spiritual capacities. And what I've learned with Liam is that he's more spiritually advanced than even I am at times. He has uh, the capacity for joy, the capacity for forgiveness, the capacity to make everyone happy around him. And he's very loving and kind. So I sort of see my kids as little superstars and very unique. And each one has their challenges and each one has their gifts to the world. And as parents, our duty is to educate our children and to perfect those spiritual capacities and sort of everyone's a mine rich in gems of inestimable value. And we're supposed to polish those gems through education and help. So that's my job as a parent is to, you know, spiritually educate them by teaching them as much as I can about how to treat people with respect and love. And I kind of have an easy, easy ride with Liam. So I remember a lot of people asking if I was would terminate and like getting really upset. And I couldn't understand why I was, it's my baby. I, why, why would I want to do that? And so I came at it from a, a slightly different perspective than a lot of parents. My ex-husband was a little bit more worried and wanted to know the diagnosis definitively. And I refused an amniocentesis because of the possibility of an abortion. And that was like one in 200 chance. So I got a blood test, which was $500. And it told me definitively my son had Down syndrome. So we just went from there. I think my ex-husband had some issues dealing with the diagnosis and dealing with two children and taking on two special needs kids. And unfortunately, we're divorced now because of some issues that surrounded that that I won't go into. But... <laughs> Yeah, that's, so that's challenging. Well, um, it's amazing how you were able to use what you know and felt inside and just move forward. I mean, that's how we all want to act and respond, but it's just not the way most people that I talk with, nor myself, were able to respond. It took it's taken time to get there. It sounds like you were able to kind of move into that, and you say that a lot of it's because of your faith. You believe. Yeah, and, and the way I was educated, that we all have a right to be here and we're all valuable participants in society. So I really didn't care what people think. I've never cared what anybody thought of me anyway uh, before I had children. So, and I always knew who I was. I never had to go looking for myself. I just looked in the mirror and I'm like, I know who you are. So I have a different maybe perspective than some people. I haven't gone through, I did have the luxury until 40 of not being married and to travel and live around the world and live in Europe. And I grew up in Hong Kong. I was born in Japan. I was in Europe for 16 years. I, you know, did a lot of things before I got married and had children. So I had a quite a fun life. And now I'm just focusing on being a mom and every life has their season. And it's for me, that's now's the time to work and focus on being a mom. And that's I think the main thing is to just never give up and to always try. And if you feel like giving up, talk to somebody like your friend or another single needs, special needs mom, which I have a few of those. And they're, I call them bridges in your life. People come along and they're your bridge or you're your br a bridge for other people to help. I love that. I'm going to replay the beginning of the show because I think what you said in the beginning is kind of what we all need to embody. So thank you for sharing that. And I appreciate your wisdom. Can you tell us what like a difficult day in your life looks like as it relates to raising your particular children with their unique needs? 
so I guess for the last eight years, I haven't slept very much through the night. So I have a bit of insomnia related to getting up and down or not being able to sleep because I'm woken up quite often during the night, uh, put my bed, my kids to bed in their own bed, and then they come and close sleep in the middle of the night at times. Sometimes they just started sleeping through the night about three months ago. And most of the time they do get up and come in my bed, which, you know, as a parent, you get kind of get squashed in the bed <laughs> by the end of the day. A typical day that has a challenge was, I, let's just take this week, for example, on Monday, I was working and I'd sent the children to school and I got a phone call from somebody at the school saying that Liam wouldn't load into the car and he was going to be half an hour late because he wouldn't get in a stroller. And I didn't know what was going on. So I went to appointments to adjust my back because I'd pulled my back and hurt my back because Liam's 50 pounds. So he needs a lot of lifting and organizing. And, and at times I hurt my back. So then I went straight from that to a school meeting for Ronan about him settling into school and how his EAs and his teacher were handling things. So I did that. And then I came home. And when I'd come home, the, uh, Liam was crying. And it turns out that he wasn't feeling too good, but the babysitter had given him laxative instead of a Tylenol suppository. I continued to monitor him and he was doing worse. So I had to get everybody into the car and go to emergency. So we waited in emergency and we were seen quite quickly because Liam was crying and screaming the house down. And I was like, if you don't see him, it could be appendicitis because his belly was very big. So then we went into an exam room and Ronan was there. And I said, just mind Ronan because he does have aggression issues. And the doctor went to examine Liam, who was quite big, the doctor, but he crouched down and Ronan jumped on his shoulders and his back and he almost fell over. Wow. So then it was a three ring circus. And the charge nurse was another male who was about six foot five. And Ronan went up to him and kicked him in between the legs and he fell over onto the floor. I was told, find a son is other son's too dangerous. So find a way that we can examine Liam. So we basically moved Ronan into the operating theater so that I could deal with his aggression with the other nurse and Liam was examined. And then Ronan came back in and I had to explain to him, they're not attacking his brother. He's going to be okay. You need to let the doctor examine him. And then Ronan had calmed down. Then we went back to home. And then the next day I had to sort of work and take care of the kids. And uh, he had a horrible diaper rash because I think somebody, uh, I'm not sure why, but anyway, I won't comment on that. So that's kind of just stuff that happens during the work week or during the week. It's kind of random. And there's a lot of health issues with children with, with Down syndrome and our special needs kiddos. So I always try and get enough water and sleep Sometimes I'm guilty of watching Chicago Med or Chicago PD for too long at night when the kids are asleep. Yeah. So that's my Achilles tendon is anything by Dick Wolf, Wolf like Law and Order or <laughs> lawyer shows. Nice. Uh, are you one of the few people that can can calm your son down or was that an unusual circumstance? No, he usually uh, reacts go to emergency this way. So I'm trying to figure out how to navigate the system in order to get a policy or some support. So I have hired a psychologist and chatted with her and she said, hold the teddy bear up and try and get him to beat that instead. And that's just useless in this situation because as we all know, with special needs kiddos who have autism, and if you're a parent, they sort of 
go into a different place when they're aggressive or when they're overstimulated. So you try and stay ahead of it with behavioral things and noticing things and not taking them out for too long, limiting the amount of exposure to various things like, you know, I won't take him to a rock concert or I won't take him out past two hours because I know that he's going to have a meltdown. So each child is different. You've just got to figure out how they regulate, make sure they have a lot of that activity to regulate during the day when they're not in school. I give my kids iPads. I give them toys like bouncy balls. In my home, there's no rules really except around eating where we sort of have a routine that works for us, which is me putting uh, food on the coffee table for one of my, my older sons. So I sort of had to throw the rule book out with raising children and just do sort of what they want. And so they're regulated for school because school is really tough for them. So I think that's a bit of a tangent, but I haven't found the secret answer for aggression when it comes to my kids with autism, uh, except to try and reduce exposure to things that might trigger them. But sometimes we're in the real world and we can't do that. Right. Any aha moments that you've had along the way that stand out for you? on this journey? Just sort of an aha moment that rules were not going to work. So, you know, the old world order, the way that I was raised by my parents, the kind of concept that we own children and that sort of top-down discipline or patriarchy or whatever you want to call it, there's like 50 different ways of defining it, that established discipline and rules don't work with my children. So, there's a way of creating negotiation, a way of creating choices so they feel like they're more in control, a way of structuring them, letting them know ahead of time what's happening. And it's all exhausting and it all takes a lot of planning and time. So sometimes I just don't have it. But I think the aha moment was that I had a whole different mindset that I had to adopt in order to survive and to, or in order for my kids to be happy. So I was just like, okay, no timeouts. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. We're not doing this. I just threw everything that I had been raised up or heard about out the window. And then I listened to various professionals. And one of the ways I did that was observing a lot of the therapy sessions with my kids and making sure that I felt like they were treat being treated correctly and listening to my inner gut. Like if I was like, okay, that timeout, I don't really like that when no, that's not nice. You know, like I want to time in where stuff like that. So it's about listening to your inner sort of intuition. And I think Facebook is great. And a lot of the parent websites are great because you pick up things from other parents. So try not to reinvent the wheel is probably a good thing as well. Were you raised in the Baha'i faith? Yes, I was. I was born in Japan, and that's why my name's Mieko. My parents then moved to Hong Kong when I was about um, 18 months old, and they were gone overseas because we're encouraged as Baha'is to live in various places around the world. Uh, my father's a cross-cultural psychologist in Chinese psychology, and my mom was worked as a lecturer at the university in English as well. So we were encouraged to grow up in various places, and I, at one point, my mom moved us to China to help set up an English program in one of the universities in Guangzhou. So we were very young at that point. I think I was six. I can still remember it though. And living in a different economic situation was good for us. I think my parents were like, we should uh, uh, expose our children to hardship once in a while. And that was interesting. 
And then I uh, went to a Baha'i boarding school in India when I was eight years old uh, with my sister who's six. And I was raised in the Baha'i faith, but the Baha'i faith allows you to choose essentially whether you're going to become a Baha'i or not at the age of 15. You can decide to declare or not. And it emphasizes independent investigation of truth. So we're supposed to learn about all the religions and we're supposed to choose if we want to be atheist or if we want to be Baha'i, if we want to be, you know, any religion that you can think of. Because in our faith, we believe that all religions are from one God and that we have all the same spiritual teachings and different social teachings specific to the age it was revealed in. I like that. Can you tell us like how you use spirituality to guide your decisions to bring happiness and guidance for your children? Well, yes, I pray. So sometimes I've been praying in desperation when I was sitting beside my son's bed when he was intubated, like just that he'd live. And I remember that those times are very, very hard. So I relied on prayer for that. I pray for their development and I pray for help. I also try and um, our faith, Baha'i faith uh, says consult all people. So I also consult people on how to go about things and try and make a decision that way. So it's a very consultative sort of religion and uses that decision-making process, which I find useful. And I also find that the more you talk to people, everyone sort of has a puzzle, a little piece to your puzzle. And sometimes you don't come up with the advice that you're given by one particular person. You kind of cobble it together based on things that you're like, okay, that's going to work. I like that piece of the puzzle. So at the end of the day, I also have friends that are almost like agony ants that I call that there's one particular special needs uh, mom that I met on Facebook that's helping me a lot recently. And she's done it. She's amazing. I hope she can go on the show too. But she, I have called her where I just, I'm just like, I don't know what to do. Like my job as a lawyer, I have to make decisions every day. But when it comes to my own personal life and my kids with special needs, I still struggle to make decisions. It's exhausting sometimes when you have to do it quickly and clever and just, it's a lot of pressure. So sometimes I just reach out to people. I'm like, what should I do? <laughs> so I'm not perfect. I, sometimes I don't get the answer. I, I still pray and I consult professional. That's all you can do, I think. That's, a, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. So a full-time lawyer and a, a single parent with two children with unique needs, how do you balance all of it? What's the secret? I, I don't know. I just, I think you get thrown into it and you rise to the occasion. I don't think that I was ever made for this. I don't think that I was ever perfect. I think that as a mother or as a parent, like a father, you get thrown into something and you either sink or swim. So Maybe it was because I went to boarding school when I was in India when I was six and I was alone and I had to figure out how to navigate that world. Or maybe it's because I did a lot of sports when I was growing up in high school and that taught me how to discipline myself or something. And maybe it was my education. I'm my Baha'i faith. There is a community of Baha'is that I rely on heavily. So I don't know why, but I just have never given up and... Probably a large portion of that is my friends, my little cheering committee of other moms or other people around me. So I think our support network is extremely valuable. But I just sort of decided one day to wake up happy every day. And sometimes, you know, I've had my period where I was a bit depressed in COVID where I had to self-isolate and I didn't have a relationship. And I was in Prince George in the middle of nowhere and it was freezing. It was like frozen in the middle of nowhere. So I've had my 
struggles, but never giving up and just always having hope and reaching out to your friends. And I thank all my friends who've helped me because at times it's been agonizing and and challenging. But uh, I think you also learn how to almost switch like you're a skier. So today my babysitter quit. So I'm like, okay, what do I do now? I've got a meeting with you, but then I have to be in court, but then I have to take care of the kids who are sick. You just have to switch like you're skiing down a slope. You know what I mean? Like just go like pivot. I think somebody called it pivot at one point. I think it's a technique. I like it. Yeah. Get a pivot. No time. (laughs) No time for like being upset. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing. Well, one thing I learned for myself is I would always try and get everything finished so that I would have time for me. And then when I had time for me was when I would start to worry about what wasn't working or what I thought something was supposed to be. But when I'm active and engaged in the activities, I'm not thinking about those other things. I'm not in the past or the future. I'm just in the present. And so that's part of what inspired the show. Is there anything that you believe to be true that most parents disagree with? Um, My complete and utter lack of traditional discipline. (laughs) Like it just, I just have a different way of doing things. And I don't know how many people follow that way, but I just use the cues of my children and what works. And I'm trying and searching constantly to change that. And I'm now looking at shoring up boundaries a bit. So traditional, like saying you will get you this withdrawn, this privilege withdrawn, like iPad time, if you do this. So I'm looking at, at shoring up my boundaries, but I think cause I was raised in such a strict parental and just the world, like Indian boarding school is very strict. So I think cause I was raised in a very strict way, I kind of threw away the rule book a little bit easier. And then, and then I just, I kind of look at my children like gifts, like they're amazing people that are greater than me. Like they're more developed spiritually than I am. And once I humble myself in that way, then, and then I'm their caretaker and I'll be responsible for God to God for not caring for them in a kind way. I'm not perfect. You know, I make mistakes every day, like everybody else, I'm human, but I just try to be kind, I think. So I don't know what other theories I have that other parents won't have, but I think there might be some things like that other parents might disagree with. Like I don't spank and I don't do timeouts and I don't like, I don't know. I think the disciplinary (laughs) is just different sometimes. It sounds like your faith gives you a lot of opportunity for your personal development. In addition to that, what do you do to care for yourself? How do you take care of you? It's very challenging because I didn't have the concept of self-care very much. So I didn't understand it because I think I, you know, I was a, a very achievement oriented person. And I think I grew up in a, in a very austere setting with a lot of rules and a lot of uh, focus on achievement. So for me, I became a machine and very good at achieving. And I've just learning the self-care the last couple of years. And one thing that I do is I get my hair done. I started this year getting my nails done, although I'm scaling back a bit on that because of the expense, because I always thought it was not useful spending money on your nails, (laughs) but it's a way for me to relax and feel pretty because they're always getting ripped off anyway with the kids. So it's nice to have them maintained. But 
A bubble bath is nice. Reading a good book, although I don't really get around to that very often. Food is great. I'm vegetarian. I don't drink alcohol and I don't smoke or do drugs. So food is lovely to prepare and make. That's kind of how I spoil myself. I recently found a way of going on holiday with the kids. We had our first holiday away for about five days. That wasn't a surgery because Liam had 12 surgeries before and we were always going to Vancouver for BC children's surgeries. So we went to an island and I, I had a babysitter come with me from college. Going away for even a, a day with the kids, somewhere pretty or somewhere nice is nice. Honestly, the number one self-care thing that I have is sleep. And then zoning out, watching my Law and Order or Chicago Med, which I love. I don't know. Escapism. My, my TV programs are kind of fun, I guess. I love them. I would like, I like to write it. a book, but I, I just don't have the time or energy, unfortunately. That would be well, another self-care. Well, there's a, there was a lot of good ones in there. So yeah. we do a thing called lightning rounds so that we can just get more of your opinions and thoughts and uh, experience through one word to one sentence answers to a few questions. Are you up for it? Yeah. What's the best advice you have received? Develop yourself and be gentle and kind with yourself and your children. Do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents? Other parents, their knowledge is important. I would also read uh, as many books as you can on the topic. What's the next thing on your list that you want to add for your individual well-being? I would like to add exercise because I'm I can't leave the house with my children, so I'm trying to figure out how to exercise in the home, I guess. Great. What's one thing you think would improve your life if you did it or had it? Definitely exercise sleep hygiene. I need to come up with a sleep hygiene routine. Do you have a favorite product you use for yourself or your family that you just love and couldn't live without? I have a lot of Pediasure is great for my son. <laughs> He's saved his weight. Basically, I like Aveeno cream for eczema for my son's skin is really nice. And I have a variety of toiletries that I've explored that I enjoy that are good for the kids too. Oh, this is a good tip. I take ginger, peel it, put it in the blender, blend it, boil it, strain it, put it in ice cubes, and then stick it in the freezer for when I'm feeling sick or run down. And then I stick it in my tea, my decaf tea, and then I can keep my immune levels up. So that's what I do. That's a tip. I like that. Yeah. Well, there's been a wealth of uh, information and knowledge that you shared with us today. Is there anything from what we've talked about or just like what's on your heart that you'd share with other parents and Naked Parent Nation listening to the show? I would just learn how to be gentle with yourself and to love yourself so you can take care of your kids better and to rely on other parents for support, like just make a community. We need to make a community for ourselves. Thank you. Diego, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. I hope your little one gets better soon. Yes. And I hope you stay a friend of the show and I'd love to touch base down the road and just kind of see how your journey's unfolding. Thank you so much for the interview. I love watching your show. It's so inspiring. And I love all you parents out there, you know, kind of giving us more knowledge. Thank you. Thanks, Mieko. Have a great day. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. 
This concludes our show for today, and I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, and the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes and we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long. So long.